Je luistert naar een boodschap van C3 Church Amsterdam en Almere. Wij zijn een kerk van geloof, hoop en liefde. Voor meer informatie over onze kerk kun je terecht op onze website c3amsterdam.nl of c3almere.nl Wij geloven dat deze boodschap jou vandaag zal bemoedigen, inspireren en bekrachtigen. You're kidding. <laughs> My illustration's been eaten in the first service. I do apologize. Uh, but we, we've been through a four-week series uh, on um, holding nothing back. We've looked at the, the last arrow, that we should save nothing for the next life. We should put everything into this life. Jesus hasn't called us to more than one life, so we should give it everything we've got. Uh, and then we looked at the last cookie, as we preached an incredible message on um, extreme hospitality. Let's hold nothing back. Let's be generous with our hospitality. Last Sunday, we looked at next step. So we looked at uh, a story of th- four men who took what looked like could have been their last step, but it turned out to be their next step. So let me just say in your seat, you'll see a next step card. And uh, I'd love you to take a look at that and work out what your next step is. One of the secrets uh, of Lisbonized married life has been we've done it in community and not on your own. Your life will be nothing on its own. Uh, you will never succeed in what you're called to on your own. Uh, I find it very interesting that when we celebrate people of success, they will always quote the people who have helped them get there. You will never make it on your own. You think you are. It may look like the trappings of success, but it isn't even a fraction of what God's called you to because you're meant to be in community. And everything you need to fulfill what God's given you to fulfill is locked up in other people that you're connecting with. And uh, that's been the secret of our marriage. We've had people around us. Um, and so I encourage you, get into a connect group if you're not in one. Get into a team if you're not in one. Start serving because it unlocks your purpose for the future when you serve other people. Maybe you're not been baptized. Get baptized. But uh, just indicate it on your next step card. I'm saying it because I love you. I want the very best for your future. Uh, so that's next step. If you want to know more, uh, go out into the foyer and you'll see the next step bar out there. Uh, also out there, you'll find a copy of this book, The Blessed Life. And... Um, Uh, It's probably one of the best books I've ever read on encouraging generosity. So if you've got the gift of giving, which some of you do, go buy this book because it will fuel that gift. Uh, If you haven't got the gift of giving, if you're not generous, go and buy the book. Uh, Enough said. (laughs) Wonderful. Okay, so I've called this message uh, The Last Coin. Anybody... Anybody excited about the concept of generosity? Fantastic. The last coin. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. Mark 12, verse 41. And I love this story. It's very simple. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Um, it illustrates everything we're going to talk about all in one very short but very profound story. And it says this. Mark 12, 41 says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, 
worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Amen. Life is like a tube of Rolos. Who likes Rolos? Okay. I'm going to just illustrate what we're going to be talking about uh, using Rolos. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift is from our Father in heaven above. So everything you've been given is from Him. And we're looking at the topic of generosity. The widow gave her last coin. And, uh, and so I'm going to illustrate. This is, this is your um, income coming in the form of chocolates. <clears throat> Who would like to be paid in chocolates? <laughs> That'd be an awesome day. <clears throat> and, uh, and so what happens is this. You get given your income. You think you earned it, but all good gifts come from heaven above. So God's actually given it to you. You've worked hard for it. God's given it to you. And what he says is, because I've given this to you, I, I just want you to know that uh, I am God and, and you're to honor me. And so all I'm asking is I keep back one-tenth of it, that you honor me with one-tenth of it. And so what we do is we take the first ten, we take the first rollo and, and we bring it into the house of God, the church, because we give it to God. And that is his. And we don't argue because all the way through the Bible, we read the principle that when you bring the first, he redeems the rest. So he talks about bringing the first son or the first lamb, the first animal, the first crops, the first fruits. Jesus was an example of that. The Bible talks about Jesus being the first amongst many, the first fruits of many. So because he was sacrificed on a cross, the rest, that's us, could be redeemed. Sacrifice the first lamb, you had to trust there would be more because it was the first that more would be born, but sacrifice that, the rest would be blessed. That's the principle we see from the beginning to the end of the Bible. Sacrifice leads to redemption. And so we bring the first tenth of our income to him and the rest gets blessed. You realize there's more rollers in the packet. That's a blessed day. And then you find that um, maybe the next two or three rollers have to, have to get given to, uh, to the tax man. Everyone go, boo. I need a mean-looking man. Louis, you're a, can you come up here and give us the meanest face you can, the meanest face, and I'm going to give you my tax. Tax for you. <laughs> Share it, please. And then, uh, and then after paying your tax, like a very good citizen you do, you realize then you've still got some other bills to pay. You've got your housing costs and your essential food, and so you find that, um, you find that this caramel is stuck to the packet. There we go. You then have to give... Something to your bank manager, Christine. Yes. And, and, uh, and of course, to Albert Hine. Nice to meet you, by the way. Have a roll, though. <laughs> uh, for your shopping bill. Shopping bills are very important. And, um, and you're left with some leftover. And it's the leftover bits we tend to enjoy. Uh, that's where we go off and shop for me, for us. Uh, but believe it or not, you've got a choice with what you do with these, even though one has to be consumed in other essentials or luxuries or leisure or whatever, you still have a choice of what to do with your 
last Rolo. And because I have a last Rolo, it is my last, but, but you can have it. Because it's the secret to 25 years is giving away your last Rolo. No, you can eat that one. Uh, and so um, uh, now, if you don't get the idea of chocolates, I will move on to what were going to be donuts. They were delicious donuts. Um, but it looks like we've got chocolate chip cookies uh, instead. Uh, chocolate's addictive, right? You, you, I can't start a bar unless I mean to finish it, and I usually do. Uh, it, it can be the same with your money. You get to the point where, yeah, I've paid my tithe, yeah, I've, I've paid my tax, yeah, I've paid my mortgage, yeah, we've been shopping, now me. And as you start to spend, it becomes something that you enjoy, like chocolate, and you keep spending until the end. It's all gone. But you do have a choice. And that last Rolo could go somewhere else. You could be generous with it. So if Rolos didn't do it for you, then chocolate chip cookies would. So you got 10, you're paid in 10 chocolate chip cookies. The first, later, and, and, then, uh, and then the next, next three goes to the tax man. Well, these guys always get missed out. So I had you just passed. You've you got to look meaner than that. You're the ta- That's better. Right. You can have those. Pass them along. Thank you very much. That was a very kind tax person. And, uh, and then the rest, not the rest, but maybe the next three get spent on, uh, I love Brazilians. They can have these here. There we go. Just pass those along. You're, you're the bank manager. And you're Albert Hine. That's good. Great. And you find you've got three cookies left. What are you going to do with three cookies? Now, it would be very responsible of you to think about paying off your debts. For example, that's a really good thing to do. It does snowball if you don't. Uh, okay, so the rate of interest may only be 2 or 3%, but over 20 years, that's a lot of thousands it can add up to. Pay it off as quick as you can. Um, that's a very sensible thing to do. Investing for the future, very sensible thing to do. But you've still got choices with what's left. And, and this applies whether you've got much or whether you've got little. Um, and so you begin to spend some of what's left. I can't keep walking around, so Laura, you'll have to just dispense of those. Um, and you're left with the last. What are you going to do with the last? What are you going to do with your last cookie? Dennis, you led so well. My last cookie. You need to be... Way more grateful than that. <laughs> oh, that's better. There we go. You can have the last cookie. All right. Are we getting the point? Yeah. You sure? Because if cookies didn't do it for you, if Rollos didn't do it for you, let's try another example. Okay, so let's try this again. I've been paid 100 euros this month. Anyone want to be a pastor? <laughs> and so the first 10 goes to first 10 goes to the Lord. Beautiful. The next 3 go to the tax man. My business manager wanted that back, so um, I'm saving that. The next 3 they go to housing and essential food costs. I said I'd only give a few of them away. So 
That goes back there as well. Gosh, that's why our church does so well. Not your generosity, but a mean business manager. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Hands is amazing. It's beautiful. And, uh, and then you've you, you got a choice to make with the rest. And we've been there, right? There's some things you can choose to do with it. You, you can enjoy it. And the question always comes, though, is will you, will you reserve some to be generous? And, and it, it is a choice because it takes strategy because if you don't, then it will go. And it doesn't matter how much you get. I remember a celebrity, I won't name him, but was asked once uh, whether he's basically satisfied with what he had. Uh, how, how much is enough? And he said, uh, five more dollars. Basically, enough is never enough. You always could do with more. So it is a choice at what point you go, well, I'm, I'm satisfied, I'm going to give. I'm going to be generous. And so choosing to give, whether it's, whether it's to another person or, or, or through some of the means of buying a gift for someone or whether it's to, uh, we're going to enter our building fund uh, raising season in the next week or so and whether it's to, to a project like that, generosity always pays off. And so because it's your first time, I want you to take, is it your wife? You married? Yeah. Find the best restaurant in Amsterdam and treat her to a meal. And remember us. Whatever you find for t- Starbucks, just a coffee, but she'll enjoy it. Last coin. What are we going to do? How are we going to divide it up? And it may be that you're not going to hear Jesus say to you, give it all away like the widow. That's not really the challenge here today. The challenge isn't even, oh, I must go and give away my last coin. The challenge is, are we prepared to? The question is, would we? Uh, would we live with our palms open? Would we be prepared to do what Jesus asked us to do because we're holding nothing back and we're living this life like it counts because it does that it makes a difference. Why should we be so generous? We should be so generous because it's what makes communities healthy. Research has shown that generosity is one of the key factors to you being healthy. It gives you a sound mind. And therefore, if we're healthy and if we're uh, expressing our love to one another with generosity, communities are healthy and society is better. Socialism isn't a political orientation. Socialism lives and breathes as people are generous to one another. That's us carrying each other. We're not relying on welfare handouts. We're relying on each other, loving one another as a community should. And so we should never um, uh, undermine the power of charity in community. We should never go, well, the government should be doing that because maybe not. Maybe it's wonderful when you get these uh, entrepreneurial, charitable organizations rising up in society, expressing what God's called us to do, and that is be generous. The other reason we should be generous is because God says, as you sow, you will reap. And so what it does is it brings an economic situation into your world as you are a blessing. So God knows he can bless you more so that you continue to be a blessing. And that's okay. It's okay to believe as you give, you will also receive. It's a biblical principle. It's not selfish. It's just the way kingdom economics work. And so I want us to learn three simple things from this beautiful woman who shows us how to handle her money. The first is this. She was devoted. Everyone say she was devoted. She She gave it all. (laughs) 
There was no question she was devoted. She was turning up at church every week. She was at the prayer meeting. She was trusting God. We know that because nobody would ever get to the point where they're going to give everything away to the church unless they were. She was devoted. Jesus, interestingly, sitting watching people give. What a thought that Jesus would be watching you. That is not a statement you use to punish your children, by the way, by saying, Jesus is watching you. You should not do that. It should be a motivational tool to ourselves where we go, God is watching me. Therefore, I should be responsible with what I do with my life. So my question to you is this. If somebody else is looking on at your life, would they know that you're devoted to Christ? Second question, it gets a little more personal. If someone else was to look at your bank account, could they conclude that God and his house, the things that matter to him, are a high priority to you. Woo! It's got a little hot in here. What would be their conclusion? I got a call from my accountant a few years ago, and he said, Steve, you've made an error in your records. I said, okay, what, what do you mean? And he said, uh, the comma uh, is in the wrong, the decimal point, that is for us internationals, uh, is in the wrong place under your giving figures. And I, oh, Okay, what, what do you mean? Well, how much did I say I said I give? He told me, and I said, no, that's correct. That's how much I give. He said, no, you must have made an error. I said, no, that, that is correct. Because he was looking at my accounts, he had made a deduction that either I was devoted <laughs> or there was an error. You see, people will not understand you when you begin to live holding it back. But, for one thing, their conclusion would be, you're utterly devoted to a cause. How many of you have ever had a family member or a friend say to you, you're crazy, why are you giving 10% to the church? 10%? Dude, you should do that. It's a cult or, or something. You're mad. People do not understand, but they begin to see the fruit of your life over years, and they will deduce there's something at work in and through your world. It's fruitfulness of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus was watching her. He was, he was concluding something, and he was using this as an example and a lesson to his disciples uh, and, and saying, well, she gave two small coins. She is extremely generous. Now, they could be going, what do you mean? Extremely generous. Just two small coins. She's not going to get a thank you letter. She's not going to have a political campaign manager ring her up for more. There's nothing about her, surely, that is generous. Warren Buffett gave $27 million out of his $87 million um, uh, uh, wealth. That's generous, giving 30%. And in fact, he's got a goal to give all of his wealth away. That is generous. In fact, he and uh, Bill and Melinda Gates have set up something called the uh, Giving Pledge Initiative in 2010 and have challenged the wealthiest people around the world to um, give away nearly all their wealth. They've got 170 pledges at the moment to help change uh, the way society is, to give back to society, which is a phenomenal thing. I'm putting this widow into that league. She has given all that she had. What is Jesus saying? It's not the amount. Generosity is not the amount you give. It's the decision you make to be big-hearted. It's not about an amount. It's about an attitude. And you will recognize that every attitude leads to an action. So we, we understand that it's out of the overflow of our heart. Our mouth speaks. 
Jesus said that, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So that's attitude leading to speech. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Well, maybe you didn't mean to, but you did down here. Because you only come out with that which got in there. And so our attitude is extremely important. If you're, if you're doing generous behavior, it's because you've got a generous attitude. You've got a generous spirit, a big-minded spirit. And so from this woman, we see that she not only was devoted, which clearly she was, she was trusting. There is no way anyone would give away all that they had in a spontaneous moment of faith. Oh, I just feel like I should give it all away. And if I do, God will bless me. No, it doesn't work like that. She would have done that because of a life of trust. She lost her husband. We don't know at what stage. So she would have, he would have in those days been the person bringing in the sort of financial security into the home. She was forced into a moment in her life where she would have had to trust God with her life, with her provision. She would come to the prayer meetings. She would lean on him. She would have been a woman of devotion. She would have learned what it was to walk the walk of trust, to live the life of trust. She was a trusting person. She would also have been big-minded. You do not give away all that you have without some things going through your mind, like, what's going to happen tomorrow? How am I going to pay the rent? How will I fix these sandals? There will be all sorts of thoughts coming through your mind. Some of them fairly serious thoughts, some of them minor issues, but they, they plague us. But she refused to be pulled down by those mindsets, but rather feed a big mindset. That is, if God says it, it will be okay. That is that I will see the bigger picture, the kingdom of God, the building of the house of God, the winning of lost people. That is surely more important than anything else. She kept the big, big mindedness. And the reason these three things are important is because we need them to destroy three common mindsets. And that, is, that are these. Firstly, what I would call the needy mindset. The mindset that says, I don't have, therefore I need. The problem with that mindset is there will always be something you don't have. I don't have enough to put food on the table. You get over that. I don't have enough to put clothes on the back of my children. You get over that. I don't have enough for a car. You get over that. I don't have enough for a second car. You get over that. I don't have enough for the boat. You get over that. I don't have enough for the second boat. Where does it stop? Needy mindset is not something that uh, that is that, that poor, poor, I don't like saying poor people, people who don't have enough are not the only people who get trapped with that. I've met people who have a lot of money who have a needy mindset. They're not big minded, they're not big spirited, they're as tight and closed as, uh, as, as anybody else. It's not about what you have, it's a mindset. And that's where you need to pull that down by learning to trust. Gratitude is probably the biggest killer of a needy mindset. When you say, oh God, I'm grateful for what I have. The metros aren't working this morning. That's why there are probably people here who couldn't get here. The metros aren't working this morning. I need a car. <laughs> no, I'm grateful I have legs. <laughs> Gratitude will pull down a needy mindset. Then there's a self-absorbed mindset. That is, gosh, I've got a pay rise. Oh, wonderful. Think of all these things. Think, oh, think of all these things I could spend it on. 
all the soy lattes and the this and the that and we could eat out every night and you know and, and, and it's, it can be it can be endless the things that you could you could spend on yourself it's like and I, how many people have have gone out, they've enjoyed a movie and good meals and they're eating, eating out regularly and going to the movies regularly, but they complain at paying for 50 cents for going to the toilet. That's called a self-absorbed mindset. That's called a small thinking mindset. You're happy to spend on yourself, but when it comes to something like that, you're, you're complaining. It's gone quiet. How many of you have gone out and bought something new and then spent an hour checking other stores to see if it would have been cheaper. All right, sorry, touching some nerves. <laughs> a big mindset doesn't worry about those things. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's the security mindset. That is, I need to, I need to save up, I need to invest. Uh, and I get, and you do need to do that, that's important. But your security suddenly becomes in that. My security is with my savings. My security is in the fact my pension plan is, looks like it's going to be okay. My, my security is in this. But your security, people who put their security in those things are never feeling safe. You will never, it doesn't matter how much you've got put aside, you will never feel safe. Safety can never be fed to you from money. Money is never the answer to a sense of security. And now, to... to I don't want to sound, sound like childish, but Jesus is actually the only answer to your sense of security. In your marriage, husbands, uh, wives, your husband cannot be everything for you. If you're looking for him to be everything for you, your, your security, your, your, your provider, your encourager, he will let you down constantly. Trust me. I have experience at letting my wife down. She has to look to Jesus. He has to be her fulfiller, her satisfier. And then anything I do is amazing. It's a wonderful bonus. <laughs> and the other way around. Your security can never be in your money. This widow teaches us we have to pull down these mindsets. And all of us will be challenged by some of these and more. We have to learn to be devoted to him. Trust him in all things. Think big. Be generous. Have a big spirit. On every occasion. And secondly, the first is she was devoted. Everyone say devoted. The second is she wanted to make a difference. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, The purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it, uh, um, to have it make some difference that you have lived and live well. Jimmy Carter said this, I have one life and one chance to make it count for something. My faith demands that I do whatever I can wherever I can, whenever I can, for as long as I can with whatever I have to try to make a difference. Phenomenal. Steve Warren said this, we dream unconsciously from a young age of making a difference. It is the faint call of God inside of us, drawing us out to our purpose to leave our footprints in the sand of history. You as a child had dreams. How many people have ever said when asked when they were a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they said, homeless. No, you hear answers like an astronaut or a, I, I want to be a firefighter. I want, 
God has wired into every person DNA of purpose. There is inside of every one of you a sense that I am here on purpose. God has got a, a reason for my existence and I am here to make a difference. This widow teaches us that even a, a widow who had very little in resources was able to believe she could make a difference. If she could get her money into the right hands, if she could use it in the right way, because she had a purpose and a, a meaning in life, because she would refuse to hold back but push forward, because she knew she only had one life and it had to count. You cannot take anything into the next life. Did you know that? Your talents and gifts will, will seem slightly insignificant when they're in heaven. There will always be something better, an, an angel who could perform better than you. The pavement's made out of gold. Euros will be worthless. Live life now and live it to count. And live it well. She wanted to make a difference. Apostle Paul said this. He said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He knew he hadn't yet achieved everything he wanted to. He knew he hadn't yet left on earth all the influence he could deposit, but he was going to keep on going until the finish line. He was going to keep on bringing an influence to people as long as he could go because his eyes were set on a goal and a prize. Not a prize that was a financial reward. Not a prize that was a lovely mansion in heaven. Uh, uh, n- none of that. His prize was hearing the words of Jesus go, you are my good and faithful servant. Honestly believe, none of us are, are, are looking forward to uh, a reward called a mansion. Jesus promises you a mansion in heaven, and, and that's exciting, but quite honestly, you probably wouldn't care whether you're in a mansion or a shed. Heaven's going to be so wonderful and so fulfilling and so painless, and it, it, you won't care where you're living. And, and, and in terms of gold pavements, you're not really going to c- care whether it's gold or tarmac or concrete. To be quite honest, the place is going to be so wonderful. That's just God's goodness that he'd give us a mansion and, and put, put gold on the pavements. But what you do care about, what is deep inside of you and what is longing inside of you to hear are the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Every human being, whether you even believe in Jesus or not, wants to hear those words. Your life meant something. It made a difference. It counted. It was fulfilled. And so she wanted to make a difference. And finally, she did it willingly. No one forced her. She did it voluntarily. What a beautiful heart. That someone would give away all they had without any coercion or someone pushing. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. She decided, this is what I want to do. How willing are we to take our next step in this area? How willing are we to hold nothing back? I don't want to be a pastor of a church that has to coerce and and persuade people to be in church and pray each day and, and, and give. And I know some pastors have to do that. So they're having to preach. God, you need to be in church. I, I might as well quit. Go and sit on some island, Hawaii or somewhere, and 
or take up uh, than have to do something that coerces people to do things. If you're not motivated or if you're not devoted, what are you doing? What's your life about? If someone's having to push you to do something, reassess. Take stock. Look at the inventory. What am I doing with my life? Am I holding back or am I holding nothing back? Am I making this life count? Am I giving it my all? 26 years ago when I was dating Lisby, we lived on the opposite sides or different parts of the country. And uh, we would, I would travel just for an evening to have coffee with her. I'd travel an hour and a half and she would travel an hour and a half, see each other for an hour or two and then we'd have to go back an hour and a half. I'd travel three hours to see her for an evening for a date night. No one had to call me and persuade me. No one had to put a book in my hand about, you know, the tips of things you must do to have a healthy date. No one had to pressurize me or coerce me. I was devoted. I didn't even have to think twice about jumping in the car as soon as I finished work, doing it, and then going back again. That's what a devoted person does when you're motivated. Hold nothing back. For some of you, maybe your next step is to bring your tithe to God, the first 10%. Maybe for some of you, it's, you're doing that and you're going, well, do you know what I want to I wanna learn to do this generous thing? Maybe this week you need to find an opportunity to show an act of kindness to someone. Just a simple act of kindness. Just something that blesses somebody else. You may not have any money right now. You couldn't show an act of kindness without even... A financial, tag, a financial bill attached to it. it. It can be anything. And just experience the fulfillment of giving it away. You know, you can buy an ice cream and you've forgotten about it in five minutes, but if you buy an ice cream and give it to somebody, you'll live on that memory for a few days. It's more blessed to give than receive. Hold nothing back for the next life. Could we close our eyes as we draw this series to a close holding nothing back Jesus today we want to redevote ourselves to you or we know every one of us would have had moments where we've got our priorities wrong things in the wrong order our attention has gone to ourselves rather than our purpose and to other people. Lord, we just lay that before you right now. We bring ourselves to you again and we say, here we are, holding nothing back. We want to make a difference in this world. Every one of us is here for a reason. And you'll untap it by having a big attitude, a generous spirit for giving your life away. In Jesus' name. And just with every eye is closed, if you're here today and you know that you have been living a life holding back from Jesus, you know that your walk with Him has been not intimate, not close, and just a moment I want to pray for you. Just a moment I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and put it back down so I know who I'm praying for. But I really would love you to take this moment to respond to Him. 
Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life. Or you're not sure whether you're going to heaven. I'd love for you right now to make a decision today. And don't leave it another day. Life counts too much to put this sort of thing off until tomorrow. So if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, put it back down, and then we're all going to pray. Something's going to happen inside your heart. So could you just raise your hand for me right now, if that's you. Never ask Jesus into your life. You're coming back to Him today. You know you need to be sure if you're going to heaven. You know you need to give Him your all. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. We honor, Father. It's none like you, Lord. Jesus, we give you all the praise here right now. As you're working on people's hearts, I give you thanks that week in and week out, we get to be in church. We get to be with each other. We get to be in a place of faith that transforms our thinking and powers our lives. Let's all say this prayer together. Whether you raise your hand or not, you'll know if this prayer is for you. And I want you to say this with us. It goes like this. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. Come and live in my life. I thank you that today I can be saved. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I pray for everyone whom that meant something. I pray that your presence would surround them, that you'd be with them, you'd empower their lives today. They know that you have a meaning and a purpose for their lives. Can help them make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want us all to stand to our feet right now. I don't know about you, I found this a challenging series. The thought of holding nothing back, making life count, but such an important one. I don't want us to be disciples that are half-hearted, but 100%. So right now, if you're excited about the thought, if that's a challenging thought to you, but you're, you know that means something, if, if you know that it's important to live holding nothing back, come on, why don't we give Jesus some praise right now and show that we honor Him and we love Him and we bless Him. Lord, we thank You here today. We praise You and we thank You and honor Your name. May You be honored in this place. May You be honored in this city. Bedankt voor het luisteren naar onze podcast. We zien je graag terug in een van onze diensten. Kijk op onze website voor tijden en locaties.